Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hi, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Helly, and welcome to Growth in Progress, the podcast where we have open and honest conversations about things that aren't usually discussed, but that can help us all to grow. In each episode, we catch up about what we've been up to recently and share something we've really enjoyed, whether it be a recipe, a TV show, a book or a movie. And then we go on and discuss something that we feel is really relevant, the kind of topics that a lot of people think about but don't really discuss. So, week 5,800 of lockdown, how are you doing? Oh my God, doesn't it just feel like all of the days are the same day? I actually thought it was Friday on I thought it was Thursday on Wednesday. So you can imagine my disappointment when I woke up today and it was not Friday. Yeah, I thought it was Friday on Tuesday morning when I woke up. So that was a bit brutal. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's going well. It's just all merged into one. Like I I can't differentiate the days anymore. Although looking out the window at five o'clock and it's still being light-ish has made such a difference. I feel like we're just around the corner from getting daffodils popping up. Oh, I saw some today, not with the daffodils sprouted, but like with the full green like leaves are completely out the ground and the snowdrops are out. It's the small things, really. But <laughs> I do feel like we're heading towards slightly brighter weather and hopefully slightly warmer weather. So at least then we've got a bit more time to get outside and go for a walk each day. Yeah, I definitely feel like under pressure to get outside because I know I've got such limited daylight hours to actually do it. Yes, I totally know what you mean. And I just want to be able to go for a leisurely walk. But instead, I'm like, right, I've got my lunch break. I've got to run outside and go out and go and get some sunlight. And then I've got to come back and do something else. And yeah, I'm looking forward to lighter evenings. And just feel like we're moving towards spring and summer. Like even if we're still in lockdown, I feel like when it's brighter, it just feels a bit better, doesn't it? So much better. Although my biggest achievement this week, I just, this is how ridiculously excited I am to share something I've actually done. Almost a year later, I watched Tiger King this week. <laughs> you? I've still not watched it. I was just never fussed that first time around. I was just no. kind of, there was nothing about it that really appeal, appealed to me. And then I saw it on Netflix the other day and we were like, shall we just, shall we just give it a try? And then we watched them all over a couple of nights and yeah, can't say it wowed me, but now I feel like I've caught up with everyone else. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of... It didn't really appeal to me at the time and I now feel like I've missed the boat. Like I, you know, I got all the memes. I feel like I absorbed it like via other means of pop culture. But I do feel like we're nearing the end of Netflix at this point. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah, very true. Do you want to show your recommendation for the week? Because our boring Netflix chat is not cutting it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if my recommendation is going to cut it either, but but I was was blown away by this. So my recommendation this week is a recipe and it is a dupe for the Wagamama's prawn rice sakuri. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, But it's basically a um, prawn 
dish in a kind of a red Thai curry. Um, loads and loads of veggies um, with some fish sauce in there, um, some vegetable stock, and it makes such a nice curry sauce over some jasmine rice. Oh my goodness. I found the recipe online. Um, for, it's not a Wagamama's official recipe. It's someone that's recreated it. So we'll obviously leave that linked. But I mean, I tried it and I was like, this should be in a restaurant. <laughs> so obviously just tooting my own horn. But it's the first time in a long time that I've made something. I'm like, actually pretty impressed by that. <laughs> so um, yeah, we'll leave that linked because I really, really enjoyed that. And also you could swap out the prawns for um, I don't know if you prefer chicken or if you're um, if you're veggie, you could swap it out for tofu. Um, yeah, it would really work. Even just with vegetables, it would probably work really well. Um, real highlight of my food. My food? <laughs> highlight of my dining this week. I really need to try that because when you were describing it, it sounds dreamy. I love like Thai red curries and stuff like that. And I haven't had one in so long. But I think that would just be, it feels like a really warming winter dish as well to me. It was really nice and warming, but not too spicy and loads of veggies. But because it's coconut milk, it's just, it's nice and light. It's not like too mm. heavy. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. I'm going to try that in the next week or so and report back. Um, and I'll work out what, I don't know what you can swap fish sauce with, but I'm sure there's lots of things. I'll Google it. There's there's actually a vegan fish sauce. Is there? That's I've, so I'm cool. I'm pretty sure I've seen one somewhere. I did this. It wasn't one that I've, that's not what I used this time around, but you can get them. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. I'm going to have a look and I will report back to you when I've made it. Um, what's your recommendation this week? So there's a bit of a theme this week and we didn't even discuss this, but mine's a coffee recommendation. Ooh. So I know we've said before, we're not great with caffeine, um, but I love coffee. I absolutely love it. And so does Alex. And for Christmas, um, I got him a coffee subscription to a company called Manumit. And the reason I was so drawn to this brand of coffee is because it had great reviews, but the whole concept behind it is brilliant. And it's a really socially responsible brand. So they hire people who have been um, victims of the modern slave trade. And they help rehabilitate them and get them back into like safe work and give them the support they need. And I just think it's such a brilliant initiative. And everything's sourced responsibly as well. So it's a really brilliant brand because often with coffee, because we I was looking for quite a while for a coffee subscription, and often the bags aren't recyclable or the coffee itself is a bit problematic because obviously the, you know, there's often exploitation in the um supply chain and that kind of thing. And it is a bit more expensive than like buying your instant coffee, but you can buy it as beans or you can buy it ground. And I bought it ground because we have a cafetiere, but we don't have a, like a proper coffee machine. And it's just such lovely coffee. Like aside from the fact that it's a really wonderful, socially responsible brand, the actual coffee is so nice. We got the decaf one and it just tastes really like really great coffee lasts really well. You don't have to keep it in the fridge, which is also an annoying thing you have to do with some fresh coffee. And it's just been such a nice treat on the weekends to wake up and have like fresh brewed coffee, especially in lockdown where we've not been able to go to coffee shops or anything like that, which is what we would normally do. It's just, it just feels like a nice treat. And I'd really recommend you, you don't have to have a subscription. Um, you can just like buy the bags as and when you fancy them, but you can also sign up so they'll deliver it fortnightly or monthly and that kind of thing. So you don't have to worry about running out either. That sounds so good. I love that initiative. Like it's such, 
it's so nice to know when you're getting something from such a responsible brand that's kind of thought about their whole like supply chain and mm-hmm. employee process. I think that's that's really important. But also, you know how I was talking about that podcast last week, the mindset mental one. Yeah. One of the things he said was, especially now when things are so kind of uncertain and there's not often not a lot to look forward to at the moment, he said, what small changes can you make in your day to really look forward to? And one of the things he said was, can you like spend a little bit more money and get a really nice coffee that you enjoy and you can really look forward to? Yeah. And I, that's so true, isn't it? Like such a small change, but you think, oh, I've got that nice little treat to look forward to and enjoy. And we, so like day to day, we tend to just have like our normal instant coffee if we want some, but to have like the ceremony on the weekend. So we like wake up a little bit later and we brew the coffee and that's brewing while we're in the shower. And then we have like, we sit down and have breakfast properly. It's made our weekend so like feel really distinct from our weekdays. Like it feels like we're starting a really yeah. different type of day. And in like the normal world, we'd probably pop out for a coffee or we might go out for breakfast and that sort of thing. So it feels a bit like we're still having a treat, but it's kind of something we actually can do. And I, to be honest, I think even when things go back to normal, we'll probably keep doing this kind of thing because it is such a nice way to start your weekend. Yeah, definitely. Totally agree. It's all the little things, isn't it? Especially at the moment. Oh my gosh, yes. So on this week's episode, we want to talk about a concept called arrival fallacy. Um, It's probably something that a lot of people have experienced, but don't necessarily know that there's a name for it. So for those that aren't sure what arrival fallacy means, um, it's basically the illusion that reaching for a certain goal will bring us happiness or contentment. So I know I've experienced it, but that moment when you finally reach a life goal, maybe it's like a promotion or a financial goal, or you've bought a house, or you've reached a certain weight goal, or you've lifted a certain weight in the gym. Um, But when you achieve it, you don't get that feeling of happiness that you were expecting, even though you've been working really hard, even though you've been working really hard towards that goal for a long time. And I think it's a really interesting concept and that's why we wanted to discuss it this week because a lot of pe- a lot of people do experience it and it can almost feel a bit embarrassing to kind of admit that you've achieved something and you don't feel the the contentment that you're expecting from it. Yeah, I think we put so much pressure on ourselves and others to be constantly achieving something and especially when you've committed a lot of time to something and it's whether, whether it is the promotion or the weight goal or anything that you really do authentically want, when you get there and you just feel a bit like, hold on, when, where's the fanfare? Where are the fireworks? Like, I feel fine, but I don't feel great. It can just feel really, it can feel a bit disheartening. Like I've definitely felt very underwhelmed and a little bit disappointed. Not that I'm not proud of what I've achieved, but kind of disappointed I don't feel better. I think we put so much emphasis on external factors making us happy that it almost feels a bit of a kick in the teeth when they don't. Yeah, I think it does. A lot of it does tie into, and I know we've discussed it before, like the kind of ambition and you're always looking for that next goal. But because you're always looking for that next goal, you you don't take the time to appreciate the one you've just achieved because you're always thinking about that next step. Yeah. And I do feel like it's a culture of our generation, though. I don't feel like it was as prevalent in, say, our our parents' generation. That's not to say people didn't experience it before. But I do feel like now there's always 
someone else setting your goals at school, whether it's like an exam or a test or going to uni or once you get to university it's then an oversaturated jobs market and there's access to so much information online you always feel like you should be doing more and you should be doing better and you should be improving yourself and I really do feel like that's a culture that's kind of come from our generation. I also think we we kind of all get a bit bored easily as well so when we achieve what we want we're like okay what's next and we also always think there's something better out there and I'm definitely guilty of it. Like I've worked really hard for things and got there and then been like, yeah, but I guess like, you know, if it's a work thing, you're like, oh yeah, but I still want to, I'm just not working on that particular project. Or, you know, you might think, oh, but I didn't, you know, I could be earning more or I could like my profile could be raised higher. And I think it's, it definitely ties in with being an ambitious person for sure. Like the habit of kind of success is that when you reach your goal, you set another goal but I think there's a fine balance, isn't there, between reaching your goal and like reevaluating and setting a new one and just not even having the moment to enjoy what you've got because we move so quickly and we're always trying to achieve so much that a rival fallacy almost seems a bit inevitable. Yeah, I do feel like, especially with the expectations that you put on achieving that goal I feel Mm. like I feel like you're always going to be so disappointed because we've we've become accustomed to building something up in our mind about how much better something is going to be when we've when we're earning more money or when we've bought the house or when we've lost a certain amount of weight and I think it's almost a bit of a misconception that an achievement doesn't always equal happiness there's one there's other ways to find happiness but also there can be other consequences to an achievement that we kind of didn't foresee yes I think so I heard this years ago and I can't remember who um who was talking about it but they were referring specifically to trying to lose some weight and they were like I really want to lose like x amount of weight and then I will start dating then I will go for that promotion at work then I will like buy the clothes I really like And someone said to them, you're basically in the waiting room of life. Like you're waiting for something that might not happen. And then you'll let yourself enjoy life. But actually, that's not the way to be. Like you should enjoy the process for everything. And I I feel like that's really relevant to a rival fallacy because we're constantly thinking it will be better when rather than we're allowed to enjoy this. You've almost got to give yourself permission to enjoy it. Yeah, I think that's so true. And we shouldn't, I don't feel like it should be the case. I think I do feel like we need to get better at just stopping and enjoying the achievement. Like there's no, there's no problem with having another goal. Like that's, that's great. I think, I think in life it's great to have goals. So you keep progressing and you keep moving forward. I don't think being static is a good thing, but I do think appreciating what you've achieved is, is really important because like you said, often, often you'll get there and it's still not, it doesn't bring you the happiness that you expected. But even when I try and think about it in like a job kind of sense, especially for me, I'm such a worrier. And in my mind, I'm like, well, if I get a promotion or I get this new job, I'm going to be happier. But actually, I'll just find new stuff to worry about. And worry and anxiety is just the root of all of my stress in life. So really, unless 
I'm going to go and live on a remote island. I'm probably not going to be any less stressed in a new job than I was before. So I think it's the the parts of your life that you know you struggle with and you put the expectation that they'll just disappear once you achieve that goal. Yeah, and actually what we all need to do is try and find kind of happiness within ourselves. Like, So you have a more steady state of like being quite satisfied and then when these things happen, it's better, not there's a problem and like it's going to solve the problem. Does that make sense? Yeah, but don't you think so much of that comes from social media? Yes, 100%. Because there are things that I do that I'm like, I'm really proud of that. And then I see someone else doing it and I'm like, oh, but they've got that and they've also got this other thing. So that's what I should have done. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and that's why I think it just wasn't as prevalent in past generations because now we have access to all this social media and online every single day you're seeing people who are... For me, I'll see people the exact same age as me and they've, I don't know, made a six figure salary or I don't know, they've bought a house or they've done something amazing. And I'm like, wow, does that mean I was really pleased with that thing I achieved yesterday, but now actually maybe I should be doing that instead. And it's just it's constantly going to make you feel like you're never good enough. But when you actually think about it, there's always going to be someone out there who's like better than you at your job or is doing something differently and you think that's the better way to do it that's but that's just life there's always going to be someone who's better at something than you are that doesn't mean you're not amazing at it or it doesn't mean that you're not doing really well in what you're doing right now I Mm. think I mean it goes back to the classic comparison trap doesn't it oh yeah totally and I think it's really interesting what you say about it being is it like a generational problem because I think part of me kind of wonders is it a millennial thing of actually things are so good now? Like, you know, we have more career options. We have more freedom as women. We have, you know, disease generally, except right now, is more under control. So suddenly <laughs> the the big things that might have worried our parents or our grandparents' generations, things are generally better. It's an all right time to be alive. So almost when something really good happens or we achieve a goal, because things are pretty good generally, it's harder for us to acknowledge that. And like, I know that's, that's not always the case. Like we all, we all go through stuff, you know, it's life isn't always straightforward and simple, but kind of as a concept, is it that things are better, simpler, less, there's less friction when you do things. So we've almost invented a problem. I don't know, because I, it may be in some aspects. Yes. But when I think specifically about the job market, I think it's so oversaturated now because people have access there's so much online that people have access to to improve themselves and learn more skills. Mm. And we're always taught all the way through school and university. There is so much competition for jobs. I mean, like how normal is it for us to go up for a job that hundreds of people have applied for? Yeah. And you're just taught that that's normal. And then if you get that job, instead of like, wow, congratulations, that's amazing. It's okay. Now prove yourself. That is true. I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate a bit because I don't think it's all um, it's all plain sailing and simple. And I think you're definitely right. Like we we put the high expectations and we you know, you go up against the odds. And then when you kind of come out on top of those odds, there isn't any there isn't necessarily the recognition of it. Like um, we've spoken about this before, like if you get a job, then you think, oh, I'm lucky rather than actually I was the best candidate for it and I beat off like 50 other people. And 
I think it's a lot of mindset when it comes to arrival fallacy. I think it's about switching your mindset up so much and giving yourself mm. a bit of a break. Yeah, I do think we need to in- learn to enjoy the moment a bit more because, mm. I mean, in the same way that you're looking at what the next step is, there's a pretty big chance that someone is admiring you and looking at you as an inspiration for what their next step is. Like, it like it goes back to what I said before, but it doesn't mean what you've just because there's a next step, it doesn't mean what you've already done isn't amazing. And I do feel like people need to, and I say people, I need to do it as well, but enjoy the journey a bit more, like the whole process of things. Like if you're buying a house, I understand that that's such a stressful thing to be going through, but also that's amazing. Like you're about to own property. Like you're going through this whole process of like solicitors and mortgage, which clearly I don't understand. I've not done it yet, but that's an amazing thing and I think appreciating that process and that you're taking a really significant step in your life is is really important and I know that some people will have a house and then they're like okay what now but you've got a house like that's really cool (laughs) yeah I I agree with you I think when I was younger I would if I could go back and tell like 22 year old Charlotte what 26 year old Charlotte would be doing I'd be like wow that's cool like that's really cool like that's what I want to be doing. Whereas 26 star shots were like, oh yeah, it's all right. Pretty average, not that great. And it's not that I'm ungrateful for what I have or what I've achieved. Like I, I don't think anyone who feels this is ever necessarily being ungrateful, but it's more that thing of you put all your energy into getting there that when you get to the finish line, you almost don't have that energy to celebrate it. Yeah, but that's almost, it's like you you've got more excited about the anticipation of achieving it rather than the actual achievement. Yeah, and like, because I actually looked into this because I was intrigued by the science of it and it is a thing that you get the dopamine hit when you're like achieving the mini goals to get you there and like the process is what excites you and then when you get there, you're not having that dopamine hit anymore. So that's why you're not kind of getting that buzz that you thought you were going to get. So it's not like a made up thing. Like it's it's definitely like there, there's science that backs it up. Um, but I wonder if it's more pronounced now because we have social media, because we know we can achieve so much, like because we have so much more flexibility and so many more options to us. We expect things to feel better when they happen. I also wonder, something you said just then made me think, is it is it like the hustle culture? Like yes. when you see people online and they're like, oh, my got my hustle going and working really hard I mean we've spoken about it so much about how it's like glamorizing overworking but you see people doing that online and if you're hustling and then your hustle pays off and you achieve it but then you're like oh my god I still need to be seen to be hustling (laughs) yeah like if it's not on social media it didn't happen and you're like okay that's not true it's like any anything you work on, like people could say this about the podcast, like they could be like, oh, you only put out an episode a week and it's half an hour, like it doesn't, it's not that much effort, but you know how much work goes into that. And maybe that's part of it as well, that when you've worked really, really hard for a promotion at work or you've worked really hard to lose weight or whatever it is, you personally know how much you've put into it, but not everyone around you will get that. So you then almost have that reflection of, oh, but people probably don't even think I've earned this. So maybe I haven't earned it maybe I've not you know maybe I'm not worthy of the enjoyment because I don't actually deserve it but then I feel like it maybe 
maybe needs a bit of kind of introspection at looking what's really valuable to you because if you're putting so much of what other people are thinking on like on your own achievements I think it's really important to evaluate what's actually valuable to you because I mean yes like career like career is so important to both of us like financial stability is really important to us and I think to an extent yes everyone wants to achieve a certain point of like monetary or material kind of well-being but that's not the only that's not the only thing that's important I think having an awareness of what's valuable to you in terms of emotional or psychological or social well-being is I think once you can understand how those things are valuable to you then you can appreciate achieving goals a bit more yeah and I also wonder if there's a bit in there as well about like delayed gratification so say for example you get a promotion and you get you know you get a pay rise and you expect to feel amazing because suddenly you're earning more but you don't maybe it's actually like in a few months time when you go for a drink with your friends and you can go guys this one's on me or you can like go and treat yourself to that new top and you're not worrying about what's left in your bank account and you're not stressed about it. And actually that's when you almost get that buzz of like, oh, I've arrived because it's tangible in your life. Maybe we expect too much from the moment we cross over that finish line and don't appreciate that it's a longer process than that. Yeah. If you don't see the benefits until later on. Mm. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And I think maybe that plays into managing expectations a little bit as well. Yeah, because I think, and I've definitely done it where I've thought, right, when this one thing happens, I'll feel better. And then it happens and you're like, okay, suddenly not all my problems have gone away. (laughs) And I don't suddenly feel like everything's a thousand times better. It's a couple of weeks, months, years even down the line. Maybe that's when you look back on it and go, hmm, not too bad. Yeah, and I feel like to an extent, there's always going to be another step. Like that's yeah. that's unavoidable. I think that is just life. If you're someone who wants to keep moving forward and making some sort of progress, it doesn't have to be huge steps. It can be little steps. But I think accepting that there's always going to be another step is part of the process of enjoying when you achieve each like each milestone on that whole journey. Yeah. For sure, because I think when you then have your next step, you're like, oh, I can almost reap the benefits of being in this stage. Like if it's a work thing, and you're like, oh, now I've got the promotion, I can work on this other project, or I can, you know, go to these meetings and make new contacts. But it's not until you're actually in the process that you're really benefiting from it. I was um, reading an article about this, and there was a quote, um, I can't remember his name, it's a doctor of psychology but the book is called happier and they basically look at arrival fallacy and the correlation of like feelings of success with money and apparently the correlation between increasing happiness and increasing wealth stops at around 50,000 US dollars because that is the point at where people feel like they have enough to to be comfortable and do what they want to in their day to day. And obviously that that's not the same for everybody. Then and you might have different levels or achievements or a thing an amount that you want to reach just based on you. But 
apparently at a certain point it the happiness is no longer increasing at the same rate as your monetary increase and I thought that was really interesting because it just kind of goes to show that if you're just chasing money for money's sake the chances are you are going to keep having that feeling of arrival fallacy every time mm. you reach a new goal and actually maybe that then that does come back to understanding what other things are valuable to you um to help you enjoy that process a bit more yeah I remember I remember there was a piece of research that I heard about quite a few years ago now and I think what they did was they took a load of like higher level executives and they doubled their salary and they were like are are you significantly happier and what they found is that it didn't make a difference to them like sure it was like okay cool I can save a bit more money but it didn't remove the stress from their lives it didn't give them more time to their family it didn't suddenly allow them to go on holiday more and they did plateau and you think ah so we always assume like oh being a different weight or earning more money or having more status will make us happy but actually if it isn't actively removing some of the stresses our problems are still going to be there so we 100% need to rethink how we're approaching things yeah I think actually a really good way to approach goals would be to and I mean I'm aware this is not like this is a new revelation to me but to approach goals knowing what your big end goal is and then breaking it down into smaller steps because otherwise I feel like you are going to be stuck in the rat race of okay I need to get to the next step then the next step then the next step how do you know when you reach the the step that's the point where you're happy like yeah you're happy to not go any further like that might be earning a certain amount it might be owning a house in a certain neighborhood it might be having a certain number of kids and going to the gym a certain number of times a week like whatever your ideal of happiness is it's not just monetary or material but I think knowing what that end goal should be then you can appreciate each step a lot more and enjoy each step a lot more rather than just racing for the next step I really agree I think we always focus so much on what the next step is and we expect ourselves to get there really really quickly and we've spoken before about like that race to be a millionaire by the time you're 25 and own your own business and all of that. And actually, when you're trying to cram everything in, you don't get the chance to enjoy it as much. And maybe it's that you go, OK, I want to do this by this point and this by this point. And that can be flexible. And I think that's the thing for me that has helped me to enjoy things a bit more is being flexible with those goals and being like, OK, I'd like to do this in six months time. But you know what? If it doesn't happen, it can happen in nine months and it's not a disaster because then when you get there you're like oh I still got here and you're not attaching quite so much emotion to that end goal it's like a thing you do rather than a thing you are yeah I totally agree I think as soon as I got out of the kind of tunnel vision of always looking for that next step that was when I realized that okay the career that I was in before wasn't right for me and I never would have imagined I'd be self-employed but then that's that's where I am and who's to say in a couple more years time that might not be completely different but I think opening up like my my mind to being more flexible into what I want to achieve and how I want to achieve it has been really like valuable to getting out of that kind of blinkered tunnel vision yeah and don't you find as well when you open your mind up a bit to that and go you know I don't really mind how I get there. I just want to get there. So many other brilliant opportunities arise as well because you're just more open to things. Like I don't think I 
ever would have thought that my career would take the kind of direction it has. And I didn't even know my job existed when, you know, I was planning out what I was going to do. But by having that kind of more open approach, some really cool things have happened along the way. Yeah, I think it's that like there's more than one route to your goal at the end of the day. Yeah, it's not the same route for everyone. And your own route could look entirely different month to month because so much changes. Yeah, I mean, this past year has been complete proof of that. Oh, 100%. Like, I don't think either of us would necessarily be doing what we're doing now had COVID not happened or had other things not changed. And I think a year ago, I would have thought, oh my God, only bad things can come of this for my career. Like, it's going to really hold me back or anything like that. But actually, there have been some things that have come out of it that I'm like, oh, okay, that, you know, that sped that bit along or that opened up a different door there. So you've just got to kind of be open to the idea that you'll get there, but it might just not happen in the way you might think it will. And it might not feel how you imagine it will. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's been a really interesting conversation. And a rival fallacy as a concept is something that I find fascinating. Um, I know you do too, Hells. And I think if anyone else is out there and has experienced it or has any thoughts on it, please do get in touch with us because it's something that is really interesting as a concept. You can drop us an email at growthinprogresspod at gmail.com. Or you can send us a message on our Instagram, which is at growthinprogresspod. And that's our little space of the internet where we like to keep it really happy and positive. So please do give us a follow if you're on Instagram. Whatever podcast platform you're currently listening to us on, we'd be really grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and a quick review. It really does make a huge difference to us and we're really grateful when you do. But in the meantime, we hope you have a really good week. Stay safe and we will speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect define an opportunity imagine talking to millions of people across the u.s like i am now identify a problem creating an audio ad is time consuming offer a solution utilize cutting edge ai imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds well we did to create this ad to learn more about ai in the audio industry download the white paper from audiostack.ai